Well, this morning, uh, I'd like to uh, just begin our time. You know, Paul said, or excuse me, Peter said uh, in, in uh, um, I can't remember, it's the first book of Peter, the second. He said, I want to stir you up by way of reminder. How many of you know, sometimes we know something, but we need to be reminded of something. In, first they, in fact, they say the first law of learning is the law of repetition. And so uh, it's good to, to, to remind ourselves of the goodness of God and the promises of God. Are y'all with me out there? And so this morning, this, this message may be a way of reminder, but we need to be reminded. Amen. And so I want to begin by asking a question. Have you ever wondered what God planned and purpose for your life individually? Now, we know God's got a purpose and he's got a plan. We talked about that in Prophets and Prophecy. God's got a worldwide plan. But what's God's plan for you and for your life? Sometimes you don't see the trees or you don't see the woods with the trees in the way. Sometimes you don't realize, you know, you can be in the midst of the congregation, in the midst of the body of Christ and forget that you're a child in the, in the kingdom of God. And God's got a plan for your life. You're not an accident. He put you here with a purpose. Amen. And so we have to ask the question, what in, what in the world did God put me on this earth for? I mean, you know, he's got a purpose for you. And so some people, without a doubt, they know why they're here and they live their purpose and the plan of God in their life every day. But in fact, some people don't. Well, what about you? Do you know? So we want to talk about that today. Because I believe that, um, I think you must be able to answer that question if you're going to experience the life that Jesus designed for you to live. In John 10, 10, whenever he said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. Abundantly. Jesus said, I came that you might have life abundantly. Put your name in the blank. Jesus came that blank that you might have life abundantly. Amen? What does abundant life mean? It means to have what is above and beyond regular life. Come on, how many of you know God didn't send his son Jesus to die on the cross so we could have a mediocre life? So we could have a regular life. God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross so we can have an amazing life. Amen. Abundant life means to have an extraordinary life. Come on. How many of you are interested in having an extraordinary life? Jesus said his entire purpose for coming to the earth was to show us how to live an abundant, overflowing, satisfying, exciting, and amazing life. Amen. Man, that's great. But listen, before you can ever have that, before you can tap into that, before you can experience that, you have to first discover God's purpose and plan for your life. You can't enjoy that extraordinary life without it. An extraordinary life only comes through discovering God's purpose and plan for your life. How many of you know you can't live like a devil and experience Jesus' abundant life? Come on, I need a better amen. Come on, an extraordinary life only comes through discovering God's purpose and plan for your life. Amen. Jeremiah 29, 11. There it is. It says, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. 
plans to give you a hope and a future. That's a great verse, isn't it? Now, there's three truths tied to an extraordinary life. The first one is realize God has an individualized plan for your life. He's got a plan just for you. Although he has a plan for the world, he has a plan just for you. You're not a robot. You're not just spending time on the globe. You're just not occupying space and breathing air out of the atmosphere. God's got a plan for you. Come on, I feel an anointing on me right now. So listen, he says, I know the plans that I have for you. For you means it's individualized. It's personalized. Each one of us has a, has a personalized plan that God has written up in heaven. He's got a will for your life. Amen. And our job is to try to figure that out and to walk in that. Amen. God's plan, how many of you know, is special and it's personal. We'll never live an amazing life until we try to live out God's plan for our life. Here's another truth. Trust his plan will include special blessings and divine protection along the way. And this is what he says in verse 11. I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. Come on, you have to believe that you're going to receive God's blessing and protection when you follow God's plan for your life. Remember Psalm 23, Brother Larry Myers uh, spoke on that last Sunday. But verse 6 says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me. Something's, how many Christians we have in here today? Let me see your hands. Somebody's following you every day. Goodness and mercy is following you every day. Come on, think about that with me. Goodness and mercy. Come on, you, come on, your school teacher might have told you you're going to reject. You're never going to amount to anything. God says, my goodness and my mercy are going to follow you every day. Don't listen to your teacher. Listen to God. God says, my blessing is going to follow you. Following God's purpose and plan will always lead you into the path of God's goodness and mercy. Amen. How many of you believe that this morning? Now, why would someone not want to follow God's purpose and God's plan for their life when he promises an extraordinary life? I believe the reason why somebody would not follow God's purpose and plan for their life is because they don't believe God. They don't trust God. Come on, you have to trust God. Folks, how many of you trust God this morning? That if you're going to follow him and follow his ways, you're going to be blessed. Amen. Here's a third truth. You must choose to willingly follow his purpose and plan if you're ever going to experience life. Listen, just because God's got a plan for your life doesn't mean you're going to follow his plan. Isn't that true? In fact, the psalmist said, hey, don't be like a mule. Don't be like a horse that needs a bridle. That's always resisting. Come on, you got to willingly say, I want to follow the Lord. I want to follow his purpose and his plan for my life. And if I can encourage you this morning, come on, don't be a casual Christian. Don't be a contemporary Christian. Be a full-on follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. If you want to experience abundant, amazing, God-blessed kind of life, you got to follow God's plan for your life. In Habakkuk 2.2, he says, then the Lord answered and said, record the vision, inscribe it on tablets that the one who reads it may run. God told Habakkuk to record the vision and then inscribe it. What is the vision? The vision is God's plan. It's God's purpose. 
And God's got a global vision and a global purpose, but he's got an individual vision and purpose for your life. And so the Lord instructs Habakkuk to write it down. Why write it down? So we can run with the vision. You got to know it before you can do it. Amen. Come on, you got to know what his plan. You got to know what his purpose is before you can follow his plan and his purpose. Amen. So how, listen, how can you run with the purpose and plan of God until you first figure it out? God wants you to figure it out. Amen. Now, there are four non-negotiable steps to discovering God's purpose and plan for your life. And listen, you hear this, you'll hear this often, but don't, don't miss it. You can hear it so often, you tune it out and you miss it. You miss the whole point. But here it is. The non-negotiables, Paul reveals it uh, in, in the, uh, the, the non-negotiable critical steps in Ephesians 1 and verse 17. He says in a prayer to the Ephesian church, he says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. How many of you want to know him better? That's what Paul is praying for. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Now, in this prayer, Paul prays. He reveals those four non-negotiable steps to God's plan for humanity. God's steps for finding and fulfilling his purpose and plan. The first one is know God. How many of you know? You got to know God. And that's what he says in verse 17. He says, I pray that the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I think you would all agree that it's impossible to have an extraordinary life until you know God. God created us. He created, we are the reason why we're here. I know some professor at some university might have told you otherwise, but I'm telling you, the professor of the creation of the world said, I created you. I formed you. You are wonderfully and fashionably made. So you can't have an extraordinary life without knowing God. Amen. And so, and so you have to be in relationship with God before you can discover the purpose of God. Does that make sense? Now listen, number two, step two in discovering God's plan for your life is you gotta live free. How many of you know that once you know God, there, it's, you're not done. You're not through. Come on. Sanctification is a process. Amen. Come on. We're saved. We're being saved and we're going to be saved. None of us have arrived until we breathe our last breath, until we go home to heaven. We still a work in progress that needs progress. Amen. We need progress. And listen, so you need to live free. In verse 18, Paul said, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Uh, one translation says focused and clear. And so like our natural eyes, our hearts have eyes. And so Paul is saying that our spiritual eyes is our spiritual insight. And so he says our spiritual sight needs to be enlightened by the Holy Spirit of God before we can fulfill his purpose and his plan. Come on, you got to see it to, to receive it. You got you to gotta see where to go to know where to go. Amen? Are y'all with me? 1 Corinthians 13, 12 says, Now all... We can see of God is like a cloudy picture, like in a mirror. All we can see of God 
It's like a cloudy picture. So in other words, the scripture tells us our spiritual eyes have been made cloudy. How? By our sin, by our experiences in life. Come on, we got some cataracts on our eyes, so to speak. We got things that have, that have messed up our spiritual sight. And so we can't see exactly how God wants us to live. And so we need those scales taken off. Amen. Our lack of spiritual clarity ultimately holds us in bondage and keeps us from receiving God's destiny for our life. Does that make sense? And so listen, so we need to get free again. How many of you know, you got to be free from the negative effects of sin and the bitter experiences of life if you want to fulfill the purpose and plan of God for your life. The third step in discovering God's plan and destiny for your life is you got to find your purpose. Find your purpose. You can never follow God's plan without knowing him. And you can never follow God's plan without living free. Come on, we got to get those shackles off of us. And number three, you can never follow God's plan without finding your purpose. In Ephesians 1, he says this in 18. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you. How many of you know you got a calling on your life? Now listen, listen to me whenever I speak to you. Amen. You got a calling on your life. You say, no, Todd, that's you. You're the pastor, man. You do the calling. No, if you're a child of God, you have a calling on your life. Come on. And it's not just a calling. It is a high calling. Amen. Come on. That one that's high and lifted up has called you. It's not a low calling. It's a high calling. Amen. So you need to see yourself not like a grasshopper. You need to see yourself like the child of God. He created you to be. Amen. And so everybody... Listen, everybody needs to have hope. And hope is found in finding your purpose and your calling. To find your purpose is to discover why God put you on the planet. And so listen, and when you find out why God put you on the planet, it's, it brings an amazing amount of excitement and enthusiasm in your life. Can I get a witness this morning? Has anybody tapped into that yet and can agree with what I'm saying right now? In Romans chapter 12 and verse 6, Paul said this, we have different gifts according to the grace given us. Come on, we're all, we've all been grace gifted. We all have gifts, every one of us, and they differ from one another. God, listen, he, he don't have to, he don't have to make counterfeits. He don't have to make something like something else. He makes each one of us differently. Whenever we start looking like somebody else, he's, ah, I'm going to mess this. I'm going to change his DNA a little bit. I don't want them to look like John or Sue. I want them to look like Carla. Amen. Like, like, come on. Y'all, y'all with me? Come on. I want them to look like, come on. Like I want them to look. And so we have to realize this gifts means charisma or grace gifts. And so God has given each of us a gift of grace. And the grace, the gift is ability to fulfill God's purpose. So in other words, God has equipped us. He doesn't ask us to do something and say, I hope you make it, man. I hope you can do it. I, he doesn't send us on a journey, give us a responsibility, and not equip us to do the job. Come on, God's not a God that, that would want to set us up for failure. God is setting us up for success. And so he says, if you want to live an extraordinary life, walk in and fulfill the purpose of God. And by the way, I'm going to give 
give you some grace gifts. I'm going to give you some special ability that nobody else has that you have as a child of God to help you fulfill my purpose and my plan. Come on. I hope you feel special today because we are special. We are children of God. Amen. What a great privilege to be a part of the family of God. Amen. And so until you find out, listen, until you find out what God's, what gifts God has gifted you with and begin using those gifts to serve God and others in the kingdom of God, you're never going to tap into that extraordinary life. Amen. And so step four in discovering God's purpose and plan for your life is make a difference. Make a difference. In verse 18, he says, my prayer is the light will flood your hearts and that you will understand the hope we've given that was given to you when God chose you. Then you will discover the glorious blessings that will be yours together with all of God's people. Now, there's a glorious blessing that way too many, way too many Christians never discover in their spiritual journey with God. And I think it's this, the blessing of making a difference. Now, that sounds like work to some people. It sounds like labor to others. It sounds like a burden to others. But if you really understand it, saints, if you really get a hold of it, there's nothing that will change your life like making a difference. In fact, making a difference in other people's lives is proof that you are a child of God. In John 15, 8, it says, This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. Come on. I mean, you know, fruit is what proves that we're a child of God. Question, is there any fruit in your spiritual life? Because that's what proves. Amen? Now, listen, don't miss this profound truth. The goal of Christianity is not to go to church and not just to get to heaven. The goal of Christianity is to find your place in the plan and purpose of God and bear spiritual fruit. Let me say that again. I'm going to slow it down. God's purpose and plan is not to give you a parachute that you can make it to heaven when you die. God's purpose and plan for your life, although that's part of it, right? Thank God for that. Amen. But God's purpose and plan is that you would find your place, that you would figure out your purpose, and you would begin doing the purpose of God in your life. According to Jesus, when we bear fruit by touching other people's lives, it proves that our Christianity is real. Amen? And, and, and thrust, and it thrust you into that extraordinary life. And so John 15, 11 says, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. You know, I think there's a lot of Christians, they're serving God and they don't want to go to hell, so they'll keep serving God. And that's a good reason to serve God. But man, that, that's kind of like the wrong motivation. Come on, there's an abundant life for you, saints. There's an abundant life for you, ma'am, sir. There's an abundant life. Come on, thank God when we die, we get to go to heaven. But listen, God didn't create us, put us on this globe to just barely make it back and just through drudgery and through complaining and murmuring. And come on, God put us on this planet so we can live an extraordinary and amazing life. Amen. And I'll tell you how it comes. It comes by doing the purpose of God. You know, I, I didn't ask permission, so I'm not going to disclose, but I was sharing with, uh, w visiting with one of the pastors on staff, uh, just recently. 
And, and they were telling me, they said, man, whenever I am working, like say with a couple or, or, or just sharing, helping somebody process their life and they're stuck. And whenever the light goes on, for instance, if I'm talking to a married couple and they come into my office and they're, they're fighting and they're in conflict and we begin to process what they're going through and I can just help them just figure it out and they can just get the revelation of what the problem is. And then whenever, and they go from being mad at each other to holding each other's hands and smiling at each other and just winking at each other. Man, there's nothing that fills my heart like being able to help somebody. Come on, how many of you know, that's a great day right there, amen? But listen, you know, as he was sharing experience, I thought, what he is sharing is true of every Christian. Now listen, I believe there's truth here that many Christians never really realize. And it's the truth of, you'll never tap into the extraordinary life till you start making a difference in other people's lives. You'll never, you'll never, you, you get to go to heaven. But you're not going to live an extraordinary life. You can't live a selfish, self-centered life and live an extraordinary life. You can go to heaven, but you're not going to live an extraordinary life. And if I could just encourage you today, don't be a church pew warmer. Don't be a casual Christian. Don't just live the Christian life holding on to the parachute. My goodness, if you're going to live the Christian life, why don't you live the extraordinary life and get rid of all the selfishness and self-centeredness and do something good for God. Amen. Come on, I need a better amen right there. Amen. You know, just last month or two months ago, July, we had a uh, a, a serve day. In this room, there, I think it was over 400 people. We, we couldn't put them all in one section. We had to spread them out. There was, how many of you were here? There was so much energy in this room. And I've got to thinking, why is this? Why is there so much excitement? You know what? I believe it's in the heart of every person to make a difference. It's in the heart of every person to make a difference with their life. And some people are not making a difference. You know why? Because they don't think they can make a difference. Some people are not making a difference. You know why? Because they're allowing fear of failure to hold them back. Some people are not making a difference. You know why? They don't know that they can make a difference. But I just, if I could encourage you today, each one of you in this room can make a difference for the kingdom and for the glory of God. Amen. We're getting ready to have wild game. I see my brother Neil here. He takes the entire day off from work and he comes up here and spends the whole day. In fact, he would do the week if you gave it to him. You know why? There's something in the heart of every person that wants to make a difference. We are glued to the TV. And we're watching all these kids and the coach that's stuck in that cave. And we're watching and we're anticipating. Are they going to be saved? Are they going to make it? You know what? It gravitates. We're gravitated towards somebody being rescued. Somebody getting help. Because God placed it in our hearts, gang. God placed it in our hearts to make a difference. Come on. We can make a difference with our life if we'll just follow the purpose and plan of God. Amen? Whoo! All right. That's why we keep encouraging you. That's why we try to keep encouraging you. Because I believe with every fiber in my being that there's a lot of Christians all over the world. They've, they've, had, they've been inoculated with Christianity. You know, inoculation is they give you the virus so you don't get the real virus. And some of us, we just got enough Christianity to be satisfied. 
And God has so much more for us. If we can just get set free from whatever it is that's holding us back. And we just get tap into the purpose and the plan of God. See, and that's why almost every Sunday you'll hear in the video announcements. And if you haven't been, get into the next steps. What is the next steps? The next steps is the four non-negotiable steps that you got to take if you want to live an extraordinary life. And for us as a pastoral staff here, we're not satisfied with people just to show up on this campus and come to church. No, no, no. That is the minimal. We know that God has a higher calling. He didn't say, I came and I died so that you could go to church. No, he said the thief comes and, and to kill and destroy, but I came that you might have life and you might have life beyond church. I came that you might have life, that you might have extraordinary, amazing life, a fulfilled and satisfying life. Amen. So we want you to know the four critical steps. We unpack that to help put your, so you can wrap your brains around it. Why? So that you can be the, be the, the believer, be the child of God. God has called you to be and follow and flow in the purpose and plan of God. And listen, if we can get you to do that, whenever you breathe your last, whenever you're laying in a wooden box in some funeral parlor or here at the church, people will be able to look at you lying in your casket and say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I know she's got a great reward awaiting her. I know he's got a great reward awaiting him. He was saved and he filled and he fulfilled the purpose of God in his life. He used his life to make a difference for the glory of God. Amen. And we're going to have a glorious, we're going to have a glorious home going for you. Amen. You know what I notice doing funerals? Whenever I do a funeral of somebody who really lived their life for the Lord, hey, listen, it's a party up in here. Amen? Because we rejoice and the family rejoices. There's an energy. There's a light. There's a lightness. There is a, there is a, a grace that is there because we truly can celebrate that they're in the presence of God. Amen? Amen. And I want to encourage you today. Don't settle for casual Christianity. Go all in. If you've never gone to the next steps, after, after every second service, we have next steps. And I think maybe next month, we're going to start doing it after every service because we don't want anybody to not have a reason that they can't go. Amen? Amen. You know, I, um, I was thinking about, uh, well, I, I'm not going to chase that rabbit. Let me keep going. Let me, I had a joke, but it might bomb, so. Can I tell it to you anyway? If it bombs, just say that bomb. But you know, you know, this pastor was getting ready to do this funeral, and um, this elderly gentleman uh, was laying in the casket, and the pastor, you know, they asked the pastor to do the service. The pastor stood up and said, Oh, you know, this, this man was an incredible man, compassionate, loving, caring, and he was so wonderful, and he just raved about him. And the wife was sitting on the front pew. You heard this story? And after a while, she got up. She stood up. She stood up, and she walked over to the casket. And he said, ma'am, is everything okay? He said, she said, yeah, I was just wanting to make sure we were talking about the same person. It's good to laugh in church, isn't it? And so listen, 
The four non, non-negotiables. Know God, live free, find purpose, make a difference. The analogy is the children of Israel going from Egypt to the promised land. You know, people think the promised land, well, that's when we get to heaven. Well, how many of you know there's a promised land to live here? You see, some people, you know, listen, Egypt, getting free from Pharaoh's control, that's no God. And whenever they came through the Red Sea, that's live free, right? Whenever they were being guided by the cloud by day and the fire by night through the wilderness, that's find your purpose. When you start making a difference, that's wilderness, amen? I mean, excuse me, that's promised land. We, we don't want to live in the wilderness, right? Come on, we want to live in the promised land, amen? So it's, it's really incredible that we could, you know, you know, that you could use a pot, a black pot, and do the purpose of God, huh, Kermit? That you could use a black pot, that you can, you could fry some stuff, you know, and make a difference from God. Amen. And let's, let's go, let's, let's move on. An extraordinary life is tied to discovering God's purpose and plan for your life. But before you can discover God's plan and purpose for your life, you must first know God. You must first know God. Listen, there is abundant, amazing, satisfying, extraordinary life when you know God. But you got to know him personally. That's what Paul said in Ephesians 1.17. I pray that that the Lord may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. The word know means more than knowing the Lord intellectually. Devils know about the Lord. So you got to get beyond that. It means to know him intimately and personally, right? And so listen, you can know someone intellectually without knowing him personally. You might know them, but do they know you? Like, for instance, I know Drew Brees. Does anybody else in here know Drew Brees? But Drew Brees doesn't know me. He doesn't know me. See, you can know the Lord, but the question is, does the Lord know you? That's the question. Spiritually speaking, in Matthew 7, 21, Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who's in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, Did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Wait, wait, hold up. Hold up. Jesus, you're saying that some people will drive out demons? You're saying that it's not just good enough to do great Christian things like prophesy? and cast out devils, and even perform miracles? Yes, that's what he's saying. You must know him intimately and personally. When Jesus said, I never knew you, he meant, I don't know you intimately and personally. You get that? I mean, that's pretty clear, right? So we got to know God intimately. And personally. So if I was the devil, and I'm glad I'm not, 
I would be, I would be okay if people hung around church as long as they don't know God. Because if they know God, then my power is limited in their life and I'm, I'm going to get defeated by their works and their effects. Amen. So what does it mean to know God? Let me just give you a couple of thoughts and we're going to conclude. Number one, to know God means to have a genuine love and passion for him. You see, I'm convinced that the devil is the, he's the originator of religion. He created religion. You know, sometimes the people will say, oh, they're very religious. I don't, I don't like when somebody says, I'm very religious. I don't want to be religious. The Pharisees and the scribes were religious and he called them snakes. I don't want to be called a snake. Come on. I want to be called a child of God. Well done and good and faithful servant. Are y'all with me out there? And so I don't want religion. I want relationship, right? So we have to know, we have to have, we have to get beyond religion. We have to have relationship. Now, Jesus said they, they were trying to trick him. They were trying to make him stumble. And some lawyers started questioning him that are used to pinning people and getting them in a trap. And they said in Matthew twenty-two thirty-four, 34, when the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, who was another group of religious people, they gathered themselves together. One of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. The first and the greatest commandment. According to Jesus, the greatest priority of any Christian is to love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Listen, you can't truly love somebody if you don't spend time with somebody. Right? You can't love somebody if you don't give them any time or attention, right? See, knowing God requires loving God, and loving God requires more than lip service. It requires some sort of action, some sort of behavior transition. Amen? In other words, in Tanya and I's marriage, if I tell Tanya, I love you, but I don't want to spend any time with her. I don't want to show her any affection. I don't want to give her any attention. Is that truly loving Tanya? Or am I giving her lip service? So if I say, God, I love you, but I don't want to spend any time with him, and I don't want to give him any affection, and if I don't want to give him any attention, do I really love God, or am I just saying I love God? Come on, I'm preaching this tight this morning, but I'm telling you it's right. Amen. Come on, we have to do more than just give God lip service. Amen. In Matthew 15 and 8, these people, talking about the religious people, these people say they honor me, but their hearts are far away. Their worship is worthless. Wow. These people say... These were religious people. You see why we don't want to be religious? We want relationship. These religious people, they look like Christians. They seem like Christians. But it was just a bunch of lip service. Tanya don't want lip service. She wants heart. 
What does Jesus want? What's our heart? Love God with all your heart, with all your mind, with your soul. I have a question for you this morning. Do you love God? Come on, do you love God? Are you showing Him you love Him? You gotta give Him your passion. You gotta show Him you love Him. Amen? Number two, what does it mean to know God? To know God means to have the willingness to follow Him. In Matthew 16, 24, Jesus said to His disciples, if anyone would come after me, listen, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Deny yourself. It means to not let your flesh or your fleshly desires dominate and rule and control your life. Take up your cross means you're willing to die to anything and everything that does not promote God's kingdom. When Jesus died, when Jesus went to the cross, he gave up his rights. And he said, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. You know what God expects from us, saints? The same thing. The same thing. Follow me means you're willing to lay down your goals, your desires, your ambitions, and take up God's goals and ambitions. Amen? You see the difference? Religion just says, it's just acts, but there's no heart in it. See, and our Christianity has to get beyond this, and it has to get to this. Amen? And so when you're in here worshiping God, you don't have to be cranked up like an old 1930, come on, diesel engine, come on, come on, come on. Can you do one more song, one more song? We almost got them going. Come on, when you get here and they start worshiping, come on, your hands should be ready to, come on, you, you, your feet should come off the ground, ready to be raptured, amen. Come on. Listen, i tell you how that happens. By spending time with God on a regular basis. You can't wait till Sunday morning to get your infusion in your relationship with God. Amen? If you got that, say, got that. To know God means you're willing to reach out and care for others. Remember when Peter, Peter said, I love you, Lord. He said, oh, really? Remember that? In, in, in John 21, after breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said, yes, Lord. Peter replied, you know that I love you? Then feed my lambs. Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. Third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. And he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you, Jesus said. Then feed my sheep. See, the first time, you know, when you do the, the breakdown of those words, I love you, the first couple times he said, yeah, Lord, I like you. And Jesus was prodding. And he said, Peter, do you like me? Or do you love me? And Peter said, Jesus, I love you. He said, well, Peter, if you love me, I got a lot of sheep out there that are hurting. And if you love me, I love them. Would you help me care for them? See, to know God is to have a heart like God. It's to be willing to do what God does and to care for what God cares. 
for. And so whenever we know God, we get this compassion. We get this tenderness towards other people's pain and other people's hurt. And we're willing to do like that, like that good Samaritan did that was willing to get off of his high horse and go into the ditch and help somebody that was in the ditch. And Jesus says, listen, gang, you're my hands, you're my feet, and I need you to care for my sheep just like I care for my sheep. And if you really love me, you're going to help me take care. I've got a big family. How many of you know God's got a big family? He's got a lot of kids. How many of you know he can't rock every one of his kids on his lap? He can't put a band-aid on every one of their bruises. He can't care for them when they're broken, when they're, when they're crying, whenever they're grieving, whenever they're sorrowful, whenever they burn down. He can't care for them. You know how he cares for them? He uses the body of Christ. He uses those that love him to wrap their arms around him and say, look, there's a hurting person right there. I'm going to help them and I'm going to encourage them and I'm going to walk with them through that valley that they're going through. Amen. If you got that, say, I got that. And finally, to know God means you're willing to lay down your life for Him. How many of you willing to lay down your life? Would you do me a favor and just stand this morning? you got to lay down your life. A thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Abundant life means to have... It means to have what is above and beyond what is regular. It means to have an extraordinary life. And that's the kind of life the Lord wants us to have. And I believe that, you know, look, I, I know what it's like to be living life and be empty. Does anybody, has anybody experienced that? Had a good job, had a pocket full of money, had a brand new vehicle, young man. Seemed like everything in the natural was fine. But there was a huge hole in my heart because I had not yet discovered the purpose and plan of God. And it wasn't until I came to the place where I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. I was tired of living an empty life and I was willing to surrender my life to God. And that's whenever things started changing. And I can tell you that was... I can't do the math right away, but that was 33 years ago. 33 years ago. I remember how empty, how void my life was. And then I became a Christian and I started hanging out here at church. And I can remember the feeling the first time somebody asked me, Todd, we, we need a lobby host. Would you be willing to be a lobby host? Well, I've never been a lobby host before. Y'all sure y'all want me to be a lobby host? And so I had to actually go buy some clothes to be a lobby host. Because all I owned was concert t-shirts and blue jeans. And so I had to go buy some clothes. I can remember it. Showing up here at church. I'm going to be a lobby host. At church. It's not where I was used to hanging out. But I can remember the excitement. And I can remember just, good morning, here's a bulletin, good morning, here's a bulletin. Hi there, good morning, good morning. I'm in church. 
Come on, how many of you, never, how many of you know that it's, it's better to be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than to dwell in the tents of wickedness? Amen. And I can remember the feeling. All I did was I was a lobby host for the kingdom and for the glory of God. Amen. And I handed out those bulletins the best that I could. But I can remember the feeling. Like the pastor told me, Todd, there's a feeling that comes over me whenever I just help somebody. Come on, whenever you get out, whenever you get, whenever you know God, whenever you get free from the bondages of fear and the intimidation and the things that hold you back and you begin to discover your purpose and you start in investing your life into helping other people and you make a difference, you're going to start doing cartwheels in church on Sunday morning. Amen. Because there's going to be a fire in your bones that nobody will quench, that no trial of Quinn. Come on, it's a purpose and plan of God. There's no life like the God life. It's the extraordinary life. It's a wonderful life. Come on, if you're a child of God, you're not second rate Christian. Come on, you're not a, you, come on, you are a chosen nation, a royal priesthood that God has declared to show his glory through. What a privilege and what an honor it is. Are y'all with me out there? Come on, you can make a difference in your neighborhood. In fact, you can make a difference right there in your house. You can serve your spouse. You can help your spouse. You can love your kids. You can, wherever you are, wherever you go, you can make a difference. Invest your life. Make a difference in other people. And God will get the glory and you will get fulfilled. Amen. Do me a favor. Just bow your head with me for just a moment. Maybe you're here today and you don't know God. You see, for 22 years, I knew of God, but I didn't know Him personally. I had religion, but no relationship. And it wasn't until I surrendered my heart and my life to Jesus that that all began to change. Maybe you're here today and you never surrendered your heart and your life to Christ. But today you're ready to know Him. Not just know about Him, but to know Him. To experience His love, experience His grace. And He wants you to know Him. So if you're here today and you're ready, you're ready. You're ready to say, Lord, I'm yours. Just lift your hand and I want to pray for you. Thank you, sir. I see your hand anywhere else. Just lift your hand. Just hold it up high and just say, I'm ready to surrender. See your hand anywhere else. Just hold your hand. I see your hand right here, anywhere else. Come on, this is your moment. This is your time. Ma'am, I see your hand. Thank you. Thank you for being bold. Thank you for being courageous. This is the best and the greatest decision you could ever make. It all starts with knowing God. Let's pray together. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross, for shedding your blood so my sins could be forgiven. Thank you, Father, for giving me the ability to have an extraordinary life and an abundant life. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to cleanse me. I ask you to wash my sins away. I choose this day to surrender to you. Thank you, Father, for accepting me into your family. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Congratulations to those of you that raised your hand and surrendered your life to Christ. There's a card in the pew that says, I made a decision. If you fill that card out and bring it into the lobby, into the info center, we won't harass you or anything, but we have a gift for you, just some tools and a Bible if you need one to help you get started on this new journey. Amen. How about the rest of us? How about we just take time this week to just 
grow in our relationship with God. Spend time at his feet and and let him love on us as we love him. Father, I pray for every person here today. I pray the favor of God, the grace of God, the blessing of God on each and every person and family here today. In the strong name of Jesus, I pray. And everybody that agreed said...